This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm glad he doesn't have an NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that that fear, and there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available, and he has tons of experience. He knows this game inside and out um, with relationships with coaches and players and and has been a consultant for us for several years. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Mully, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. of Jim Ursay. Welcome back to the pregame show. And, uh, you know, we're not going to spend tons of time on this, but um, but the fact of the matter is that, that there was another coaching change in the NFL this week, and it was uh, it was just a – it was a different one because Frank Reich got, got fired, who was a – who is a good friend of Matt Eberflus. Eberflus, of course, came from Indianapolis and was asked about it this week, and he, he handled it very uh, diplomatically, I thought, but they hired Jeff Saturday basically from the TV booth. Now, Jeff Saturday had a great career as a player. I think he was a six-time Pro Bowler. And, um, and we were trying to put it in perspective, and we were taking calls uh, this week and taking texts and, and emails and stuff from listeners. And, and the question was, who, who would the Bears have hired? Who would be like, like akin to this? And, and, you know, obviously you think of Olin, but his – Brad Biggs told us they'd only offer him fifteen fifty an hour, so he probably wouldn't take it. But Pat, your name came what? up repeatedly. Honest to God, you were like one of the more popular, the you know, guy. The that, power that, of being on the radio and people well, hearing your voice and being I, around I think the people, city. People wonder if there would be any way that you might be interested if you got that call. And, and I mean, you had a great career, and you know, obviously, everything about football. I just I wonder I wonder first of all what if this works I mean yes. I, I you know what I'm saying like what, I mean I, I, I'm not predicting it will no, this question yet it's, what what an amazing thing that's to, what I was to, thinking yeah I, I honestly when I saw this and I've known Jeff Saturday since high school by the way he's the Atlanta Touchdown Club lineman of the year runner up back in 1993 to somebody else I don't know who runner that was up, but yeah huh? he was he was the runner up to somebody he was the runner up to somebody I don't know oh, so maybe I am more qualified to be a head coach in the NFL <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. I, I, I've known Jeff for a long time and I saw that and I, I was like wow th- this is an amazing move 
and I had two different thoughts. Like, okay, you're taking over a spot from other coaches that have been trying to work their way up there. But then I was like, what if this works? What if this truly works? Does this open it up for other players to potentially become a head coach quicker? You know, they do it in baseball. They've done it in baseball, right? I was texting with Spiegel, Mully. It's uh, Larry Durker, right, for the Houston Astros came in. Aaron Boone. You have Mark Jackson. You have Steve Kerr in basketball that have done it. It's never happened in football. Obviously, somebody's stepping into this. But what if it does work? This does. It opens up an opportunity for other players who have sacrificed. You know, coaches sacrifice as well. They sacrifice time and try to work up to be a head coach, but players do as well. You know, he played a long time. It's put a lot of, you know, on the, on, the, on the line for his body. But it will be interesting to see if it works out. It's very entertaining. It's good for us. It gives us something to talk about and watch. But if it does work, it gives opportunities for other former players to step into that role and maybe bring the teams together. Maybe that's what you need is more of a manager is what I think he'll be than really right. a, a coach. He'll be a more of a manager, like a baseball manager, dealing with situational par- parts of the game and then working the locker room and the meetings and getting guys together. It will be interesting to see if it works. I kind of hope it does just for that fact that maybe other players can step in. And also I like Jeff Saturday. He's a great guy. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Saturday, the couple of times I've interacted with him, yes, he seems like an exceptional human being. He's well-liked by, by everyone in all circles, as far as I can tell. He was active as a player representative, you know, within negotiations with the league office, and has done a lot of things, not only his success as a player, but just things to, to make benefits for players around the league better. All that being said, I, I just kind of think this Jim Mercer tanking is, is what this amounts to, <laughs> in my opinion, because the and you know even beyond beyond the Rooney Rule aspect of it, I know that um, right. you know like Mike Florio was on and he was talking about that aspect of it. Yep. Maybe the league should should tweak some rules in that regard. You know, that that in this scenario that doesn't concern me as much because it's not the current rule. You know, I don't know if the league revisits it, sure, but even beyond just minority coaches, but just you know to you know what Patrick was referencing there as well. There's a lot of coach, coaches in and around the league at large. Coaches right there in Indianapolis with the Colts organization that have been putting the time in with their current roster who, you know, Jeff Saturday has been around the team. He was a consultant. But as far as just putting in the day-in, day-out time in the meeting rooms, on the practice field, in the games that they competed in up to this point, Jeff Saturday has been plucked from elsewhere and brought in and said, hey, lead the way here for the remainder of the season. And, you know, Jim Arce has, has been in the NFL for a long time. He has won Super Bowls and won a lot of games. He's also an odd duck, as I think <laughs> many of us know. But right. I, can't, I can't imagine that he looks at this move and says that this is what gives the Indianapolis Colts the best opportunity for a strong finish to the season. I think he looks at this as saying it's an opportunity to give someone who I revere, who I'm close with, a chance to to lead this franchise, he'll probably enjoy it. I may even enjoy watching him as the head coach. But I, I, I have it's it's a stretch for me mentally to think that this is what Jim Ursay thinks will actually make the Colts a much better team by the end of this year. But what he has seen work for the Colts over the years is when they get the number one pick in the draft and they take Peyton Manning or they take Andrew Luck, the future of their franchise goes up exponentially. And there's a, a renowned crop of quarterbacks who are anticipated to come out and be in the mix this season. So if he said, you know what, we keep doing the veteran thing in recent years, and, and Frank hadn't been able to make that work for some reason. So you know what, man, let, let me go ahead and hit, hit speed dial and get Jeff in the house. And <laughs> Jeff may have some fun. He will handle things well with the media, and we will probably lose a lot of games with <laughs> Jeff as the interim head coach for now. And then we'll just evaluate it and hopefully have the number one pick in the draft, or at least a very high pick in the draft, 
and then go out and get one of these young QBs. That, that to me, is what this likely amounts to. I, I don't – I just it, – it's, it would seem it, – it seems like a stretch to me to think Jim Irsay really thinks he's about to win some games with Jeff Saturday as his coach. Yeah. Well, I, the problem is that, that they, you know, they fire Reich and they had already fired Marcus Brady, who was their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So Saturday comes in and he offers the job reportedly to uh, Scott Milanovic, who is their quarterback's coach, and he turns it down. They're, they're just going to make him the offensive coordinator, no bump in pay or anything. I, I don't know what the negotiation was like, but he, he doesn't want to do it. So they turn to, to uh, a, a, um, a guy named Parks Frazier, who's a 30-year-old. Uh, they say he's a hell of a coach, but he's 30 and he's the assistant quarterback's coach. So that's kind of a pretty big jump to have him now as your offense coordinator. And, and I think that their defense will be fine. You know, Gus uh, uh, Bradley's there and, and, you know, we John Fox is there. They've got guys that have – that have been in the room and all the rest of it. So you would think that that, that would be okay. But it's just going to be, you know, listen, they're playing the Raiders, right? I mean, how, Josh McDaniels had turned down that indie job that got Frank Reich in there. And is Josh McDaniels, how long is he going to last? If they lose that game today, could he be the next coach fired in the NFL? And that's they're underachieving in Las Vegas. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's I think it's a fascinating case study of, as you say, Pat, it's been done in every sport, and the NFL is sort of the last sport to do it. You know, I get it with Jim Ursay. He is a local guy. He's from Chicago, so <laughs> went to high school here, so we should we should cheer for him, I suppose. Um, local guy made good. I, I, Anthony, would you take a job like that? Would you if someone offered you a head coaching job? Would you just jump at it, or would you say, "Oh, wait a minute"? If if they offered to pay me what I make uh, at the score, I'd stay at the score. If they offered <laughs> to pay me what they pay NFL head coaches, I'd be out the door already. You you wouldn't even have to finish the sentence. And I mean, for for multiple reasons, the financial implications of it are, are obviously magnificent. But then it it is the type of opportunity. Like I coached the game for for a number of years in in arena football, and you know I. I enjoy teaching the game. I enjoy coaching the game. And so if someone just wanted to pluck me out of the, the broadcast industry and say, hey, come come be a head coach, would I leap at it? Sure. And that's kind of what Jeff Saturday addressed as well. That Yeah, this is it's too good an opportunity to pass on. It's a, an organization that meant a lot to him that he achieved such high heights with during his career. So would I take the gig? Yeah. Would I also – would I take it with my eyes open? Like if this same scenario – were, were what I was taking the gig in, would I recognize what it was? I think so. And I, I would imagine that Jim Mercer and Jeff Saturday have probably had some confidence. Like, I don't think Jim Mercer is saying, hey, Jeff, go out here and lose games on purpose. But Jeff Saturday has been around the block mm-hmm. in this league. So I, I, you know, I, I think he recognizes that he's not, he's not being placed in a strong position to, to lead a team that's going to have a lot of success this year, even if he's got the potential to be an exceptional head coach. This just isn't the scenario that you have success in with guys who you've been around, a staff who you've had some periphery interaction with. But Jeff Saturday hadn't been in the meeting room with these guys on a daily basis. He hasn't been game planning for the opponents they faced up to this point in the season. He probably has relationships, I'm sure, because he's a guy who's easy to get along with. It doesn't mean he's actually been in a situation to lead them to make decisions on their behalf. He doesn't have that backlog of data for what's worked and hasn't worked in games up to this point. It's just it's not a great situation to put him in just from a head coaching success perspective 
But it doesn't matter because if a few months from now he's not doing this anymore, he's going to go right back to ESPN, and it won't necessarily matter for Jeff Saturday. But this was a missed opportunity for perhaps some of those assistant coaches on the roster to get this opportunity to have the big whistle for whatever stretch of time it was going to be there. It's a developmental chance that they could have had that they weren't ended up, you know, that they didn't end up receiving. Anthony, you're right. And I wonder what those coaches think of him when he walks into the coaches' meeting. Yeah. You know, you have to win over your other coaches. You know, yes, he's going to little... be seen as some kind of scab, right? Yeah. I mean, like he, he, he shouldn't have turned this down, but it's not his fault. It right. shouldn't have been presented to right. him, in my opinion. Right. I just want to know the respect those coaches have for him truly getting the big whistle because that's yeah. going to be difficult because there's got to be some guys in there like, wait, why wasn't it me? It's unfortunate Frank Wright got fired, but why wasn't it me? This guy is not, you know, uh, he doesn't have enough experience, and it should be me. And I just think that's the hardest thing he's going to have to do. I think that, that, I, that's I like the way he pushed back on it, though. He said, "I I can lead men. I know. I mean, I I kind of like just the general way he pushed back at how absurd it is. I'm not saying it makes it any less absurd, but you know, I think Pat, you said it. It's like he's coming in as sort of a manager, a kind of the overseer mm-hmm. uh, of the entire thing, and I. I think that um, I'm not saying it's going to work. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy, but <laughs> I'm fascinated you. by it. I, I, God, I just I hope just, it works, though, because I just think I a lot too. of players that, that are out there, like the Olin Krutzes, guys that have just been great leaders in the locker room, great right. football knowledge, they need to be, you know, back into the maybe, I don't know, maybe that would get them to go back to coaching because you're right, Anthony, that money is pretty big at that high level, and you don't have to work, you know, way up with, with the amount of hours you put in and the lack of money at the beginning to the end, but... Um, I, I just hope it works. I think it'll be a great story. We've seen success in other leagues. How different is football? And we're going to find out, and Jeff Saturday's the one that's I, out there doing you know, it for you, us. You, I want, you look at Ron Rivera, right? Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. when it was Dave Wanstead who gave Ron a job yeah. as a quality control assistant. He was working for free. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to be with an NFL team. And then he and Leslie Frazier, both, both from that 85, they both moved on elsewhere in order to eventually become head coaches in the NFL. It's kind of extraordinary, the bells and whistles and the, and the things you – you know, I, I don't know. They, there was always an argument that the great player, like, never could become a head coach in the NBA because if you're Michael Jordan, what's the best possible move you can make? I'm going to put me in for five minutes, right? <laughs> it, it just – it's very difficult – when others can't translate their ability the way that you could to then coach them into, well, why not just take the ball, go left hand, dunk over him, <laughs> and then take – you know, not everyone can do the things you did. So you've got to know about – a guy who was a center in the NFL, you got to have work ethic. you got to have, like, hours breaking down tape. you got to understand a lot about the game, and, and you got to understand a lot about the locker room. So – I don't think it's as insane as it appears to be on the, on the surface of it. I wonder if you know if there's an assistant already who's already turned down an opportunity to be the offensive play right. caller. I wonder what that indicates. It, it might indicate nothing other than that individual said, "You know what? I don't necessarily think I'm prepared for that." Hmm. I I wonder if it is more indicative of paying deference to. Frank Wright, yes. the OC who was already fired as That's well, right. just saying, you know what, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sort of you know walk, walk over their grave to kind of get this opportunity because it's you know is this some sort of a sham activity that's going on here right, right now? You know, I I don't know that, but that's certainly what comes to mind for me. If people th- because these opportunities don't always come mm-hmm. around, certainly to be a head coach, 
in the National Football League, comes around infrequently to even be a play caller in the National Football League. Those opportunities come around infrequently. So if you have assistant coaches, and in this case, an assistant coach singular, who turned down that opportunity, it, it does feel like there's likely some deference being paid to the individuals who were fired, multiple right. individuals who were passed over and or fired to get to this point. And, you know, just to, to the, you know, to the point Patrick's making, to that question of whether or not they, they have and will show a level of respect to Jeff Saturday. I mean, Jeff Saturday's the type of guy, he, he's going to earn respect. He's just that personality, and he's not, he's not going to be someone who comes in and, and is not well-liked. And, again, he's got relationships with these individuals also, but it is different when now you're making decisions that will win and lose games for them, decisions that are happening and playing out on the practice field and in the meeting room on a daily basis. you got folks who are – turning down the opportunity to have a bigger role within, you know, the decision-making process of games and in calling the plays. You know, I don't, I don't take that as a positive sign. I, you know, it certainly feels like more of a negative sign to me for just how the staff at large may be viewing what's taking place there. I, I always felt, Pat, maybe I'm wrong about this, that, that the Bears ex-player was this resource that the team never tapped into correctly. That they never seemed, I mean, they, you know, they were concerned about having relationships look right or whatever, but you never got that sense that they were out trying to actively see what they could do. You know, you look at the White Sox, for instance, maybe that is an extreme the other way where, you know, anybody that had a cup of coffee in the, in the organization seems to be eligible for a job within it. But I always <laughs> felt that there were so many smart, good football people that went through uh, the the Chicago Bears as players, and why did they never figure out a way to tap into it? Right back to, to like Mike Singletary mm-hmm. calling the organization, hey, I want to get into coaching. You know, what do you have for me? Oh, well, you know, we're hiring someone else. We couldn't possibly. You, you find a spot for guys like that in your organization. Yeah, I think you do, and also what you hear is Jeff Saturday, or excuse me, Jim Irsay would call Jeff Saturday to kind of get – you know, his thoughts on the O-line, what how the team is doing. And what he's doing, in my opinion, he's educating himself about his own team, going outside and getting other information from a player that's been in that building. And the McCaskies have not done that, to my regard, that I know of. And to me, that's, that's a missed opportunity just to educate yourself more about football, to understand, you know, what is wrong with the O-line. Yeah, you can go ask the O-line coach, but he's not going to give you the 100% answer because he's, he's in charge of the O-line. He doesn't want to say that my guys are underperforming because that's bad on him. So I, I just wish they, they would go out there, not just hire guys, but talk to them. Educate yourself more about football, and I don't think they've done that. And that's maybe one of the reasons why they've made some bad decisions in the past, that they weren't educated enough about who to hire, what to do, and what, what direction they should go in. Um, so I, I was I wouldn't say I was shocked to hear that Jim Irsay reaches out to former players to talk to them, but that's the way I think it should be. So you just educate yourself more about your decisions you have to make. And once you make the hire – and my, my biggest critique of the Bears has been what what infrastructure are you putting in place for their success, for their growth? Like right. you know, when when Matt Nagy got here, it was shot out of a cannon in year one, and the team basically got worse every year after that. It's not because the roster definitively got worse every year after that, but not only the development of the players that we're talking about, but is there an infrastructure within the organization to develop your coaches also? And so to to hear at least the current regime talking development as much as they have the front office and the coaching staff, that matters. But I think that message needs to come down from ownership, that you're putting a system in place, you're putting infrastructure in place for people to get better while they're doing these jobs for you. 
I, I, you know, we've talked about this before, and it's not a happy thought, but many times when the Bears hit success, you think, wow, like they really stumbled into that one. Wow, look what they did. Look how this worked out. But the sustainability has been the problem. And, and you know, when the, when the franchise has been really good, have they made the right decisions? Have they made the – have they managed to stay good? And you can argue about the quarterback position and how important that is, but it is just the reality of this franchise that, you know, I guess you'd go back to the 40s to find really sustainable – maybe the 80s – a sustainable, serious run. Even with you guys, Pat, mm-hmm. it, it didn't it didn't last as long as it should have, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was up and down too. There were some years we were yeah. great, and then there were some years we were down. And I look back at you know just what we went through is was it the right thing to do to get rid of Jerry Angelo and bring in Phil Emery, and then Lovey's gone at ten and six. You know, was that the right decision? I don't. I, don't, I mean, obviously it wasn't because it didn't go the right way, and <laughs> I, I didn't want that to happen, but. They've continued to make bad decisions, and I, I've just always said, you know, people asked about Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, what's your thoughts? I just, my fingers are crossed. I just hope it works out. That's all right. I've got right now because right. It, the past has shown it has not worked out. You'll get a little run early, and then it goes away. All right, well, we got a game today. Let's get into that. We're going to talk about the wide receiver position. Chase Claypool got a, a huge ovation when he caught a one-yard pass. Boy, imagine what will happen if he gets a touchdown today. We'll uh, we'll discuss his usage, what we expect to see from him. Uh, Byron Pringle back, what does that mean? And all of it centers around the quarterback, and we'll come back and discuss that next. It's the pregame show on the score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Yeah, he's getting more comfortable. We're expanding the package for him. He's doing a lot of different things for us in there at different spots, different locations. So I think it's healthy. It's growing at the right pace, and we're excited to see where it's going to go. It's the pregame show on the score, and that is the voice of Matt Eberflus, and he's talking about the uh, uh, the recently acquired Chase Claypool, the uh, the Bears' new uh, receiver who had 26 plays. In his debut last week, the Bears held the ball for about uh, 70 plays, I believe, so that would be roughly 37% of the plays that he played. And the talk this week was that you could double up that amount, that, that he may now that he's been here a week, oh, now he knows everything. No, now he's, he's working hard. But uh, but there is a vacuum, and, and you know whether people want to hear it or not, I know everyone loves Darnell Mooney, but Chase Claypool – has had the better career, is the higher-drafted player, is a guy that uh, that has done very well for himself. That's not taking a shot at Mooney because I think he's a good player and a big part of it, but they have different skill sets, and maybe we see more uh, Chase Claypool out there. And then the question becomes who you're choosing after that, right? Seems like they have a decision to make between Bayless Jones Jr. and uh, Dante Pettis because they need a return guy. And, and I don't know they, the fact that they sat down uh, Jones uh, last week could indicate that he might be just um, – you don't really need a gadget guy. You need a receiver. So, Nikhil Harry is back. We know Byron Pringle will be back this week. We know uh, Equinemius St. Brown is going against his brother. He's got a $1,000 bet over which of the two of them are with a team with a better record. Uh, maybe, maybe he wins that bet if he sits. Oh, man, that was mean. That was just mean. Uh, but they've got some choices to make now that they are, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, spoiled for choice at oh wide boy. receiver. Oh, boy. Spoiled for lack of talent of choice. <laughs> I'll say it. Because they are. I mean, it's nothing against them, guys. And I say it all the time. They're NFLers. That's what they are. They're not difference makers. Maybe Chase Claypool can become that guy, and we hope he can. But everybody else there, they're just NFLers. They're, they're, they're good football players that you have to have those guys on your roster, but you're just picking between NFLers. And I want to go back to the Valus Jones thing because some of the quotes, I think it was Luke Getze, I forgot who talked about him. It just sounds like this kid right now is not doing his job in practice. He doesn't yeah. know where to line up. He doesn't know the motions or kind of what they were talking about. And you just got, like I always talk about, you got to learn how to be a pro. That's the first thing you can control is your practice habits – uh, knowing the playbook, knowing where to be, and if you can't do that, you're not going to see the field. I don't care how dynamic you are because you can't just you can't put put them out there. So it's unfortunate to hear that about a a rookie who's what 25 years old, who's yeah. played for six years in college. You think rookie. he would know how to practice uh, correctly and know his playbook? And it's you know it's been long enough now that he should know his plays and be able to learn how to practice like a pro. I, I do think it's it's important that Valus Jones was he was injured for a lot of the preseason. Now we're deep into the year at this point, so I. I agree. Mm-hmm. He, he should know it by now, but he, he hasn't had the same amount of like on task right, right, preparation right, right. as some of the other guys have because he was injured for so much of the preseason phase. And now in the regular season, now you're in the midst of kind of week by week game planning. And, you know, different than Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool is a guy who's he's necessary in your offense because he's the most gifted receiver. You, you sign Claypool. Now he's the most gifted playmaker 
that you have access to on offense. So if he only knows 10 plays, then all right, we'll, we'll run those 10 plays three times and get you close to 30 snaps, and we'll find a way to get you involved in the offense because you're Hercules and you know, you're Gulliver. Everybody else out here is Lilliputian, so we're just going to figure out how to really get you in the mix here. That's not the role Valus Jones occupies. He, he doesn't have that kind of status. He doesn't have those kind of skills, but it, it would be different if he had been showing out in special teams. He obviously has not, as we've been talking about up to, the, up to this point. My thought was, even in taking him off of the, the punt return team and kick return duties, that because the Bears hadn't found other true playmakers on offense, he, like even as the gadget guy, like even just you know qualifying him as a gadget guy, he's one of the players. Valus Jones is one of the few guys on this roster where with the ball in his hands, you see electricity when it's there like you got Justin Fields and then like Valus Jones he, he's really the only other person where when he gets the rock he looks like he can make one guy miss and go the distance yeah. you don't necessarily have to have that to have a high-powered offensive football but it's nice to have it's it's nice if your quarterback isn't the only one who has that even with the the speed and elusiveness that Darnell Mooney has you even see the difference where they throw the same exact pass to Darnell Mooney that they threw, threw to Chase Claypool like on the snap where where Justin Fields it was directly after the the Chase Claypool drop in last week's game they came back on the next play and Justin Fields you know manipulating traffic pre-snap moving guys around and he you know, he saw the off coverage from the corner and just told, told Chase Claypool, just widen out a little bit. Get outside the numbers. And he motioned one guy around. He saw that they were in man. He saw the corner off of Chase Claypool, widened him out a little bit, and then just threw him a quick hitch route. And Chase Claypool makes a guy miss one-on-one in space and then goes and picks up nine yards. It's just an easy nine yards that you get from that. Darnell Mooney very frequently gets tackled. One-on-one. He's just easy to bring down, but he's a very diminutive person in his stature. So that matters. And Valus Jones can access that. The problem is he doesn't catch the ball. Now, does this mean he'll never catch the ball? No. Not knowing the playbook is a big issue. But this Luke Getzey offense is a very intricate offense for wide receivers. So I haven't given up on the notion that he can and, and will eventually learn the playbook. But even once he knows it, he's got to catch the rock. All right, breaking news on the score brought to you by the Beat the Streak podcast. Get an inside edge on how you can uh, win the big prize every day at Beat the Streak podcast. And we have breaking news, and that's the inactives. Um, Valus Jones Jr. inactive yet again, two two games running. Uh, Nikhil Harry inactive. So that means uh, St. Brown is up. Here's the bad news. Tevin Jenkins inactive. I guess that means Schofield starts at uh, guard. Um, Al-Kadeen Muhammad, inactive. That's that's a guy that you were hoping would be a uh, pass rusher, and I know they they uh, activated um, uh, uh, a um, pass rusher, uh, Jerry Green, uh, on Friday, so not a total stunner on Al-Kadeen Muhammad. Uh, so Jenkins out, Muhammad's out, Kindle Vildor with the sprained ankle is out. Um, and then Harrison Hand and Jatari uh, Carter are the other two uh, inactive. So interesting thing there. You lose, you know, you're going to have yet another uh, a group of, uh, of uh, starters on the offensive line. And, um, and lo and behold, we've got the answer to the, uh, to the uh, wide receiver question. Yeah, what I see there is you lose three starters, yes. And we already know this Bears team kind of lacks talent. 
Well, you lose those three guys, who's coming in behind them? How bad are they going to be or how poor of a player are they? So this just, you know, you never want to see. It's that time of year, right? It's, you're going to have injuries like this. You're going to have starters out. But when you're losing a player who's an okay player, what are you going to next? You know, how bad is that player? Yeah. How bad can that hurt this team? And especially defense with a, with a pass rusher and a, a cornerback going out because that's, that's going to hurt them even more. You would prefer, like at least the situation at wide receiver is guys as healthy scratches because you feel like you're now acquiring more talent and, right. and talent is getting healthy that gives you more competitive depth. And that, that's a term I go back to a lot with this team. When you have competitive depth at a spot, then in theory, it should rise all boats there. When, when you can say, hey, look, Chase Claypool's here. He's taking a spot because look at him go. And a lot of you can't do that. So what's your role in this offense? And now Byron Pringle is healthy. If he's been impressive on the practice field or whatever level of pressure that puts on the rest of the wide receivers to know the playbook, like we're talking about with Bayless Jones, if that's a part of the issue, or to catch the ball cleanly, as we've seen a variety of receivers have issues with. I just or- want people to catch the ball. <laughs> That'd be a big deal. That's be a very low bar. Useful. It's very, very useful. low bar. Catch the rock. That'll help. It'll help the quarterback. It'll help the whole team. Oh. On the offensive line, though, a different deal. You are getting more competitive depth on the O-line, but having guys missing time with injury, then you know it's not necessarily enhancing you know, the, the level of competition you have in the room because Lucas Patrick just can't compete right now. Tevin Jenkins just can't compete right now. But hopefully, as you at least get all these O-linemen healthy, then your competitive depth on the O-line ends up rising the love, raising the level of performance for everybody in that room as well. But, but this is the NFL. I mean, you, you know, no one – very rarely are you going to get your top five offensive linemen getting through the entire year – uh, without missing a game or two. I mean, it's you know, there's so many injuries in the NFL, and that's the reality of trying to rebuild as opposed to other sports. It's you know, you just don't know how severe the injuries are going to be, how hard they're going to hit you, what's going to happen to your team as that happens. I mean, I, I think I think we've seen them be able to recover a lot on the offensive line, but a lot of that too is you got a quarterback that is dynamic and can protect himself with his legs. A question I have too. I was just thinking of this at the right guard position. Could they move Larry Borum down to right guard? That's a that's a good question. Because you want to you want the kid to play. You want to yeah. develop him. Maybe maybe you're not happy with his play at tackle. Yeah. Maybe now you can find out if he's a guard or not for the next couple of weeks. And if if Tevin Jenkins is out, I said Schofield because that's how it's yeah. listed on the right. depth chart. Right. But you're yeah. absolutely right. It's not like he's got a stranglehold on the no. on the starting job. No, right. When uh, the the last time when Tevin Jenkins left the lineup. Previously, it was Schofield who, who got in the game for him, right? So, I mean, right. That, that potential is certainly there. We were talking about the name Alex Leatherwood last week also mm-hmm. as a guy who's a former right. first-round pick with a lot of physical traits to play up front. Would they play him at tackle? Would they play him at guard? Which spot is more likely? But, again, going back to that, that issue of competitive depth, because right now, you know, Riley Reef being in at right tackle and being able, able to perform well there is a part of what's holding Larry Borm out of the lineup. If whether they move Borm to to guard or not would obviously be up to them, but you know, if Tevin Jenkins misses a little time with an injury and he whether it's at you know continuing at right guard and you got a healthy Cody White here, obviously he's going to lock down left guard. But to have multiple players who seem capable of playing quality football, playing winning football for you is the type of thing that you just you want everyone to always feel like they have to perform at the highest level they can to keep their job. That's, that's just kind of how, you know, your quarterback, you don't want looking over his shoulder, especially with the youth on this team. But other than that, you want everybody feeling like, all right, if, if I'm not in there doing my thing, somebody else can take the gig and do it well. All right, Mark Rohde, let's hope he's got warm shoes on.
as opposed to the, the <laughs> rained ones. Uh, he must have the gear, right? We'll talk to him next. We'll go uh, uh, get Grody's take on everything that's happening, and we'll uh, and we'll expand upon these issues. It is the pregame show on the score. So the thing I'm kind of interested in is your brother uh-huh. uh, and uh, the bet, the bet that will be going down. Is there a bet that you'll be having with your brother for this game? Uh, not for the game, no, but we have for the season. Who's going to have a better season? You know, the Bears or the Lions. So we have that going on, but that's it. That's about it. Okay. So what, what is the, the bet? Is that something you could reveal? It's $1,000. Oh, $1,000. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. That, that's, that's, all, that's not messing around. Yeah, yeah. We're leading right now. No thanks to you, sir. Uh, I'm sorry. Ouch. Uh, Can't help me. Tell me how you really feel. I, I apologize. <laughs> it's the pregame show. But it's the truth. Uh, it was pretty ugly last week. That's all I'm saying. But you know what's not ugly? The uh, the beauty of one Mark Rody. He is a handsome man, and what a joy. What a delight to have him join us now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Home of the world's largest sports book, Grody Time! And what's going on, guys? It's funny that you played that Equinemia St. Brown cut right there because I was just talking with uh, another reporter as we were looking at the the inactives, and we we do find that uh, Equinemia St. Brown is good to go. And the the only reason I bring that up is because you have Nikhil Harry down as an inactive. A little bit surprising to me. Um, I guess I'm less surprised this week that uh, Bayless Jones Jr. is inactive again today. Um, and uh, Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle is back today, so they'll have a plan for him. That's what kind of stands out to me so far here today. Also, Tevin Jenkins inactive, and he looked like he was going to be good to go at the end of the week, the practice week, and then saw him today, said he was a game-time decision. And the decision is is that his uh, his hip is not good to go. So I would expect that Michael Schofield will probably slide in there in his uh, spot at guard. Um, and that's kind of where we stand right now. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. It was, we, I mentioned maybe Larry Borum sliding in over there. And then Anthony brought up Alex Leatherwood on the roster as well. So you think it's going to be Schofield at right guard then? Well, I think that that's they've seemed to have been comfortable with him there. I mean, obviously he started some there, so that's just my gut. I don't have any extra information on that. The only thing that I was told was that, and you know, this is an interesting discussion point too, is that Riley Reef does continue to be the right tackle, the space once occupied by Larry Borum. So I I don't know what that means exactly for the future of Larry Borum if they're giving him the the Valus Jones Jr. treatment where yeah you're part of our future but we're going to need you to take a back seat for a little while just because and let's face it I mean the the offense has been rolling with Reef at right tackle I don't know if it's because of him but why mess with a good thing I suppose well about Riley Reef is he playing because he's not as injured as he was earlier in the season or just how did this you well, know how did he continue to have this spot when Larry Borum you know was your starting tackle and then all of a sudden yeah. he gets injured. Yeah, I don't I, – I, what I always – I don't know for sure. I've tried to get the answer okay. to this question, and I have failed to get a good answer. Do your job. I, I've definitely – yeah, no, I, I have asked about everybody I can. <laughs> Do <kidding>. your job. <laughs> oh, man, we got we got Patrick Manley Thibodeau in there today. I didn't realize that. Why, why, why did studs not prepare me for this? This is ridiculous. 
Um, but I think that my guess is is that I, I don't know if Riley Reef was out of shape or if he wasn't ready to go. My guess is is that on a young developing team, and you know they, they weren't trying to hide that from anybody. Why not go with the young guy? Why not go with the guy that's in his uh, third year? second year in the NFL. Wait, third year? Second year? Um, playing right tackle as opposed to the guy who's in his 11th year just to give it a shot. So I, I even have said this on record going back to the beginning of the season. There probably would have been better off with Riley Reef all along to have that veteran presence, but with this roster and with this team and the lack of expectations, why not see what you have in Larry Borum? And it's, it's still possible that he is the future there, but it's, it's obviously taken a setback here. What do we interpret from uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad not being up for the game yep. here? Yeah, Al-Qadim Muhammad, that's an interesting one, too. I mean, he, he, was, I, I, he hasn't stood out this year. I mean, that's for sure in terms of making splash plays. Um, and look, let's face it, guys. It, so, something needs to change on the defense. Something needs to get a lot better with these guys out here because it's you know they're they're allowing 40 points a game over the last three, and it's getting to that point where it's you know a a team that is coached and as the head man as a defensive guy and Matt Eberflus and his guy Alan Williams. I just think that even though Eberflus is not calling anybody out, he remained calm about the defense. I think that behind the scenes, there's probably a lot of what are we doing, what is going on with this defense. I know that the personnel is not great. It's obvious, you know, with the loss of Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn that things like this might happen in terms of, de- of a decrease, but they can't be giving up 40 points a game and something had to change, and I guess that that might be it for now. I- I'm curious, uh, what can you tell us about Jerry Green? He, he was activated. I haven't even been able to get to the Google machine on him. Um, what has, I mean, have you seen him or did you see him earlier? What can you tell us about him? <laughs> I, I can tell you very little. I mean, it's interesting. Some of the guys. Do your job. I, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I feel really good that Olin's not here this week. I've got to tell you. <laughs> I was taking his role right now. That's what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be he'd be crushing me man no there's like there's guys there, there's guys that are job. popping up <laughs> there there are guys names that we're starting to see pop up like green and even guys that are on the inact like on the active roster like defensive back Harrison Hand and Who? and one of their rookie offensive like yeah, Harrison Hand I can tell you about Harrison Hand um Jatari Carter who is one of the draft picks yeah, yeah, Harry. Yeah, Harry too. <laughs> Harry Hand. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yes, Mr. Hand. Um, he is uh, not available. Today. But yeah, all these names are popping up. I got a feeling that this is kind of going to be the way the season is going forward. We're going to start to see names pop up like that that we're all going to have to go to the Google machine for and say, "Oh, that guy. I've seen that guy all year. I didn't realize he was actually going to play this year." <laughs> Brody, there's not a lot of opponents the Bears are going to face this season where it's viewed as they have personnel that's on par with, maybe even a personnel advantage. But obviously the Lions showing up at at Soldier Field. This is is one of those squads. Is this another game where the results of the quarterback, the results of the offense will outweigh 
the Bears' win-loss result, or is this a game we're going in this should be looked at and saying that this is a game the Bears should win? I think it's the latter. I think this is a game the Bears should win. I mean, and there's not a lot of those on the schedule going forward where you're like, oh, yeah, that's you have to absolutely have to win. At home against the, the bad Detroit Lions, I know they beat Green Bay last week, but and and they're gonna be they're gonna be Dan Campbell scrappy, um, of course. But I think that yeah, this is this is a game where I think that considering Detroit's defense, I think Luke Getze can do some more things. I mean, I know a lot of people are expecting or hoping for the next step out of Justin Fields, and that would be maybe throwing the ball more, maybe getting a 200-yard game, or you know even more something like that. I think that this is the defense that you could probably attempt to do some things like that against, and I, you know. It seems like there's a pattern through the years, too, and it has nothing to do with this team. But, you know, going back to to Jay Cutler and uh, Mitch Trubisky and now Justin Fields, it just feels like I remember with with um, the um, Jay Cutler back in the day, he always had some of his best games against Detroit. And it was the same thing with Mitch Trubisky. And we'll see how Fields handles it uh, today out here against a pretty rickety Detroit defense. Brody, you talk about the Bears' attitude and how they feel. I mean, you've covered teams that have had losses in their weeks. You know, it just feels different at Hallis Hall, right? Is there a different feeling now, even though they're losing? Does it feel a little different with these guys when you're up there talking to them? Yeah, I, I think that the the locker room, honestly, is about as positive and bouncy hmm. as it has been. And I think that some of that is that – these guys know there's more guys in that locker room like some of the unknowns that we've been talking about that are starting to get more opportunities it does seem to be a locker room that does get uh, get along extraordinarily well and I know that like through the years we have all at some point in time in teams that we've all covered or been on um, we've talked about bad locker rooms and bad karma and all that stuff I will say for whatever it's worth, and I always put that in that disclaimer in there. It's a very good locker room. It's a very good locker room um, in terms of their presence. They all seem to get along. You know, there's not like seven or eight guys just hanging out. It seems like it's a full locker room whenever we are in there. So, and and you know, and we've talked about this before too. There, there's just too many guys that are trying out for their future mm-hmm. or for this Bears team in the future that you really there, there's no time to hang your heads or you know avoid the media or do any and pull any of that sort of trickery. Well, how much of that credit should go to Matt Eberflus and, and getting the message across and keeping these guys together? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we talked to Eddie Jackson about that, and Eddie is a guy who, quite honestly, was a little harder to, to get through to over the last few years from a media standpoint, like didn't really want to talk as much and it probably had something to do with all all the losing and the troubles that he had in his own personal game. But he's front and center and ready to raise his hand and give the green light for Matt Eberflus for anybody who asks about it. I think that That's good they, they appreciate him because, yeah, he's, he's a, I mean, Eberflus is a smart, straight shooter. And I think that that kind of thing sells well in, in a locker room. And I, I'll tell you, I mean, the players seem to like Matt Nagy a lot too, like always going back to the to the predecessor. But there was always something a little bit salesman-like about Matt Nagy. Matt Eberflus just d- doesn't mince his words. You know what I mean? Like he's very, very direct. Um, he's not going to yuck it up with these guys. 
but he has a very direct, simple message, scripted message that he sticks to, and we all know about that, the hits principle. Mark, you all prepared for the weather? Are you ready to freeze out there? I, uh, Molly, I, I feel like in my fifth year of doing this, I've got the proper footwear. I've got my big, massive coat that my mom bought me because, you, know, you know, she didn't trust that I would, you know, buy a nice winter coat doing a <laughs> sideline job. I've got a sick hat on. So I feel really good about myself right now. Plus, the, the heaters are blasting up over on the sideline. I've got extra gloves. Yeah, I asked you a few I years ago, Brody. Okay I asked today. you a few years ago, though. I was telling you, make sure you – you know, you, 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 you saddle up next to the specialists because they're always next to the heater, and once you get in with them, they'll let you get some of that free heat over there. Oh, dude, I've been taking that advice <laughs> since you told me, man. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want that made public, though. I mean, <laughs> I, right. I don't want people to know my when I'm sneaking around down here. By the one thing to keep an eye on, too, guys, is uh, Jalen Johnson. He, you know, he's, he is active today, but he, was, he, he did tell me right. that, you know, he, he's down as an oblique injury, but he said that's his ribs. So... Mm. Um, something to watch out for. Shoot and even last week, watching him on the sidelines, he kept holding his side after plays. So, you know, hopefully, I mean, because they're already down Kendall Vildor, you know, keep keep an eye on, on Jalen Johnson and hope that he stays healthy for this game. Great stuff, Mark. Thank you. Always a pleasure, guys. Talk to you soon. See you, Mark. Do your job. That's our, that's our guy, <laughs> the hardworking Mark Grody. Work hard. Uh, all right, we've got to we've got to uh, talk about the changes, and you know I want to ask you about a potential change, Patrick, on special teams. Uh, we'll do that when we come back. It is the pregame show. You're listening to Chicago Sports Radio six seven. The score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 